A uh, few announcements of my own. So uh, we started the uh, group me for everybody last week. So if you didn't get a chance to uh, log on to that, um, I have this QR code. I'll pass around these sheets of paper. You can just scan that. That'll get you to the group me, and then Ryan can approve you guys to join. And then on the back is a, a QR code to the recordings for the teachings. So if you guys are never not here for a week or um, you want to go back and listen to one of the teachings um, that we had or it's been a while and you know maybe further down the line you want to kind of revisit what we talked about in First John, um, that's the QR code uh, to our website and it has all of the recordings listed there. So I'll pass those out in a round for people um, to be there. Yeah, I'll take one over there. And you get to pass some of those back as well. So yeah, those can be there and you guys can scan those to get access. So yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, my name is Josh. Uh, I was a part of Butler Crew um, two or three years ago at this point. Um, so yeah, I'm happy to um, be here with you guys <coughs> this afternoon. Um, so we'll go ahead then and get started. So. For those of you that weren't here last week, uh, my good friend Alexander talked about um, 1 John chapter 1, um, first, yeah, chapter 1, verse 1, up until uh, verse uh, 6 in chapter 2. Um, and so kind of what he talked about uh, was just like as believers that profess Christ, they have desires to walk in the way that Jesus Christ had walked. And so we spent some time in discussion groups to go through the entire book of 1 John. I know that might have been a surprise for everybody, but, you know, it's good for us to identify some of the key themes, the references, some of the topics that John discusses so that we can better hone in um, in our discussion um, and see what he's trying to communicate in the letter. And so one of the themes, I think, in some of the discussion groups we talked about was this reference and theme of love. Um, it's referenced numerous times throughout the letter, I think. Um, it's one of the books of the Bible that has the word love in it the most times as well. Um, and so it's associated with one of the most important commandments given the Bible that's going to be talked about in this passage today. So we'll see how John kind of shifts from discussing um, about Christ and what he has accomplished and what he has done for us now onto more some practical advice um, about living a transformed life that aligns with the faith and values that we profess. So um, if you guys want to open up your Bibles and turn to 1 John um, chapter 2, starting in verse 7, um, and then we'll be reading up until um, uh, verse 17. Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eye and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. 
and the world is passing away with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. All right. So starting here in verse 7, John starts out by referring to a commandment that is both old and new to his audience. And so it's old because it's been consistently preached to, uh, to Christians their entire lives, particularly in some of the Old Testament writings, which this audience would be familiar with. And so the commandment is also considered to be new as it was restated and elevated in the New Testament by Jesus, which is something he did with a lot of the Old Testament laws. And so he refers to this uh, new commandment, particularly in John chapter 13, verse 34. And that says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So John speaks of this commandment, um, but, but it is both old and new, since they knew about it before the time of Jesus, and then it was reestablished by his birth, life, death, and resurrection. And so Jesus displayed a kind of love that was never seen before and has now called his people to imitate that same kind of love. He showed a love that was wide enough to include every human being, long enough to last through all of eternity, deep enough to reach the guiltiest sinner, and high enough to take all of us to heaven. And so transitioning then into verse 9, John calls the believer to embrace this new commandment to love as it displays God's light to the world. So John uses the illustration of both light and darkness to help make things black and white and to emphasize the simplicity and contrast between these two things. So when he refers to the light, he is talking about those that are in fellowship with Jesus, those who are rightly walking with him by professing faith and striving to live in obedience to his commandments. On the flip side, those in darkness are people who reject God's truth and continue to persist in sin. And so when it comes to love, John states that you cannot claim to be both in the light, but still hate your brother. Those two things are incompatible with each other in the same way that light is incompatible with darkness. To be in the light is to love your brother or sister, and by contrast, hating your brother and sister in Christ causes you to be in darkness. So even more, John explains that the darkness blinds the eyes of those leading those further away from the light. And having hatred towards a brother or sister in Christ is a blatant rejection of the faith. And John refers to those as being both blind and those walking without any direction. And so just as our relationship to sin and our obedience is a measure of our fellowship with God, so also is our love for God's people. If we say that we are in the light and we have fellowship with Jesus, yet hate our brother, then our claim to that fellowship with God, who is light, is hollow. But the one who does love his brother shows that he abides in the light and is not stumbling. If we can't love each other, then we have no way to claim a real love for God. Practically, then, it is impossible to be a Christian in a vacuum. You have to be able to love other people as well. And so when we talk about love, I think it would be wise for us to have a good framework of what love actually means. And so for those of you that may have grown up in the church or attended any sort of Christian wedding, uh, may have heard the classic verse of in. 1 Corinthians 13, which starts off with, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, love does not boast. And while Jesus did love in a kind and patient manner, he also provided harder love to his followers as well. In uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, um, it writes, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, uh, since love covers a multitude of sins. 
And so love is also being kind and patient, but it's also more than just being kind and patient. It's also about calling out sins and encouraging one another to walk in a more obedient lifestyle. Uh, Jesus called people to holiness as well as loved them in kindness and patience. He rebuked those that were living contradictory to his commandments. He encouraged those that were struggling in their faith. He called out those that sought to take advantage of others, and he loved in a perfect way. And so suppose that you have a friend um, or are in a friend group, and one of your friends strongly dislikes someone else in that group. They gossip, and they speak poorly about them when they aren't around. And so we see that there is something going wrong because God speaks against gossip, um, and it pours um, that kind of behavior. Um, but how often do we actually speak into it? So we can falsely believe that calling somebody out on a sin such as gossip within a group isn't loving and actually could potentially create more conflict than needed. And so we avoid that kind of love towards someone else. But it's contradictory because this is exactly what Jesus did as well. He went to those that were in disobedience and called them to a higher standard of living. And that was perfectly loving. He called out immoral behaviors and offered himself as forgiveness. And he approached those not living in love towards a love that continually forgives and encourages while also calling out the sin in their lives. And there's numerous references to this in the New Testament, um, but I think one in particular um, is in Matthew chapter 23. Um, this is a chapter in which um, Jesus is giving woes to different uh, groups of people, particularly to the Pharisees who were keepers of the law at that time. And he demolishes them because they um, are not keeping in line with his law. They are actually taking his law and misapplying it. They're taking advantage of other people. They're taking advantage of the poor. They're taking more money than they need to. They're misapplying God's love. And, God, and Jesus himself, being perfectly loving and perfectly God, rebukes them and tells them that that is not the right thing to do. But as college students, we all have the opportunity to walk in this light that John is referring to here and reflect God's love to the world. John challenges us to love not only in words, but also in actions, for love is the mark of a true follower of Christ. And so by living a life of love and forgiveness, we demonstrate the transformative power of the gospel. And so after that, John transitions um, in verses 12 through 14 by speaking to a variety of different audiences within his larger audiences. And so what he's providing to them is gospel encouragements. Um, and this is all part of the whole church with which, with which he is ministering to. And so there's three different audiences. You have the little children, you have the fathers, and you have the young men. And so the little children are referring to those that are newer in faith. Uh, the fathers are those that may be church members with a little bit more maturity. And the young men refers to the rest of the church in which they call them young men to indicate more their promise and um, potential in the kingdom of God. And so John is encouraging these different groups in the gospel that they have heard and enjoy for themselves. And so this in itself is seen as an act of love as he's reminding them of the benefits that they receive in Jesus Christ. These include the forgiveness of sins, overcoming the evil one, the knowledge of God, and endurance in his word. And so reminders of the gospel realities empower and inspire us to obey and gladly walk in the light. And so no matter where believers are in our journey, through Christ's power in us, we do have the power to overcome the temptation and distractions of the world. 
And so as college students, there are unique challenges that can sway us away from our faith. However, by remaining rooted in God's word and relying on the power of the Holy Spirit, we can conquer these challenges and find strength in our identity as, God, as children of God. And then from there, after he has provided then these gospel encouragements to these different audiences, John then gives a strong warning about where our love should not be placed in. And so John says, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. And so when John is referring to this term of the world, we shouldn't read it as a complete rejection of the world um, that God created. Rather, John warns against devotion to a world system that is opposed to God. John is using this term to refer to things that rebel against God, um, has no knowledge of God, that hates believers, and lies in the power of evil. And so when we're referring to the world, as John writes it here, it's a community that is in active opposition to the things of God. And even John provides specific examples of what these things in the world are. Um, this can be the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. And as we kind of think about this on the ground, we see all three of those desires played out here in our real world. Think of the advertisements that we see on TV commercials, either through um, you know, regular programming or Hulu um, or whatever. Um, you can see like on TV, um, you know, they try to entice you with scantily clothing, they showcase fancy products and clothes, and they provide promises um, that will make you look better in life. Um, think of some of like your beer commercials as well. They get a lot of celebrities involved to drive them. Um, all of the Super Bowl commercials are specifically designed to entice people to buy their products and to desire those worldly things. I mean, even consider something as small as social media, something that we use today um, to help connect us with one another. Um, it's a great tool to be able to keep in contact um, with friends from across the world or even locally as well. Um, but then it also creates in us a desire to constantly look at what people are doing. It can also drive us to comparison within our own lives. And then we become obsessed with trying to do things or have things or think about things to have people um, pleased with us. And so this is creating in us a love that worships these created things as opposed to God who is the creator of all things. And so that's not to say that John is demonizing all of these things in the world, but rather he's warning us about the attraction and allurement of them as it distracts us from our relationship with God. They become twisted um, with our time, resources, and motivation are driven by these things of the world and not directed towards God. The pursuit of material possessions, selfish ambition, and worldly pleasures leads us astray, preventing us from experiencing the fullness of God's love. And that's primarily what John is communicating here in, um, in this section, that chasing after these things and loving them is incompatible with the love of the Father. If one is claiming to love God, but is attracted, attached, integrated, and loving the systems of the world, then there's something wrong with their claim to love God. And as college students, there are often enticements by the allure of popularity of this campus, success, and instant gratification. But John urges us to recognize the temporary nature of these pursuits. Instead, fix our hearts on eternal treasures. 
So I would encourage you to ask yourself, does your life and desires reflect the life and desires of Jesus, or are they reflective of those that don't know Jesus? Because by aligning our desires with God's will, we free ourselves from the bondage of worldly temptation and discover a life of true fulfillment. And so kind of taking this entire section of 1 John here, chapter 2, verse 7 through 17, Um, we see that this commandment to love like Jesus looks like us striving towards Jesus and living in obedience, as Alexander talked about last week. We walk towards him with humble and open arms, knowing full well that we cannot accomplish this love in our own power. And so to love like Jesus, again, is to strive to be like Jesus. We lose, if we do lose love, then we lose everything. You can do all the right things, believe all the right truths, but if you do not love other Christians, then all is lost. We should still strive for ministry opportunities and strive to have correct truths and correct uh, theology, but we also must do it all in love. And so this passage provides us a great blueprint for living a transformed life that reflects the love and teachings of Jesus. And as you continue on in your faith journey, we have the opportunity to embrace these principles and be a light in our campuses, communities, and the world at large. And so by walking in the light, overcoming the world, and rejecting worldly desires, we lead lives that are distinct and countercultural, drawing others to the abundant life that's found in Jesus Christ. And so with that, I want to close with a word of prayer, and then we can get into some discussion with these questions. Dear God, we thank you for your word today, Father, and I pray that we be encouraged by these words, by these strong warnings, but also encouragements that John provides here. Um, that reminds us that faith is not just a set of beliefs, but it's also through our actions, Father, that we must um, live for you each and every day. And so I pray that we strive to love one another genuinely. I pray that our actions are reflective of what we say our faith is in, Father. And I pray that we do not uh, be led into temptation by the things of this world, Father, but rather to follow you and live a life that is holy and pleasing to you. So we thank you for this day and thank you for this time. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right.